It ain't that simple, mate. Hello and welcome to It Ain't That Simple, mate, the Bright Hope World podcast where we talk about missions and poverty and what it means to serve the poorest of the poor around the world. I am Fraser Scott here with Kevin Honoré. Hi, Kevin. Hey, how are you doing, Fraser? I'm doing well. Uh, this is our third podcast and today we are looking at who are the poor. Uh, now, last time we we focused on the question of of what is poverty, what are its causes, and we we talked about the the relational nature of poverty. So we said that uh, poverty is caused by dysfunctions in our relationship with God, our view, our relationship of ourselves, uh, breakdown in the relationship with the community, with others, and also how we view creation. So this kind of gives us a, a little bit of a framework for how we uh, understand poverty, but that's it's a little conceptual, it's a little highbrow, it may be a little bit difficult for people to get their heads around. So, you know, I, I guess as we start to look for uh, who are the poor and where we find them and what do they look like, uh, I guess it's hard to see, isn't it, you know, it's, it's hard to see from a distance someone's view of themselves. It's, it's hard to see you know, how they're necessarily treated by their community. So w- what role does economics play in this? I mean, you know, we talk about the poorest of the poor as our focus. That's an economic measurement. What's what's the relationship between the economic to this view of poverty that we have? Yeah, well, as, as you say, I mean, and, and we talked about last time, the economic poverty is, is easy to see. Uh, you know, you just look at the house people, are living in, or the place they live, or the clothes they're wearing or not wearing, and 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 the economic aspect of poverty becomes, you know, very very obvious. It's it's in your face. Um, not quite so easy to see relational poverty, or or as we talked about um, creation poverty, or, or you know that 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 kind of thing. But um, but for us, you know, we we have a focus on the poorest of the poor. So there is a uh, an economic component to 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 our focus, and, and we just can't get away from that. We just have to, you know, that, that's kind of where God's put us. That's that's what He's called us to. So, but we recognise, I guess, in terms of reconciling them, that uh, you know that that kind of poverty in these places manifests as you know in terms of resources, in terms of economics. I, I suppose what we we looked at last week is is recognizing that money neither fixes the true causes nor are the the true causes just not having enough money mm, that mm. you know there's something deeper going on and and I guess we need to you know have that in the the back of our minds as we you know start to look at how you address poverty is recognizing that money is not going to fix it that we need to we need to go deeper yeah, deeper and broader yeah. um, because you know the reality is Nobody would choose to be poor, or, or the poorest of the poor. I mean, if you nobody would, if you interviewed them all, no, I guess nobody would say, "I'm glad I'm here and not somewhere else." Um, and so, you know, and and this is a bit of a, um, I think, a misunderstanding often in the West is that, you know these people are here because they've done something stupid or made some dumb decision. But well, and there may be an aspect of that, but. But they didn't choose that as an outcome, and 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 a lot of them are there because somebody else made a dumb decision, or or something else happened that was beyond their control. So, so yeah, just throwing money at the at the uh, the symptom 
that you see in front of you is, is never going to be enough. Um, there will never be enough money in the whole world to fix you know, the poorest of the poor unless we look at it holistically, broadly, uh, and go deeply and are willing to go the journey with the poor Unless we're willing to do that, then it'll never it'll never be fixed. You know, we can't just be like consultants and whip in and whip out and oh well, we gave them all they needed and the information. Do, do just be careful there. I do spend half my time as a consultant, Kevin, and I, I wouldn't want you to cast aspersions over my very <laughs> fine, incredible industry. No, I wasn't in terms of that, uh, Fraser. But how many of the poorest of the poor do you deal with in your consultancy? Moving on. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I save that for the, the Bright Hope World time. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so where are the poorest of the poor? Who are these people? Where do we find them? And it, this seems like a bit of a redundant question to spend a 45-minute uh, podcast on. Don't we know where the poorest of the poor are? I mean, these people are in Africa and they're in parts of Asia and they're in the Middle East. So, you know, I'm sure there are maps we can find. I guess the UN probably has one. We can look at GDP per person and go, boom, they're, they're the poorest of the poor. So, uh, you know, obviously we're not complete idiots, so there must be a bit more to this question, Kevin. Yeah, it's what, a little more nuanced what, what do we than that. Um, well, I think the first thing is, is probably to say where they don't live. And, and to be fair, there's not a lot of them living in the West. Yeah, well, now hang on a second, because... You know, I think in New Zealand at least, the last election was very big on poverty and, and the fact that there is, you know, there's a real issue with poverty in New Zealand. Um, I've been part of the, the US where poverty is mm-hmm. evident. Um, you know, there's there's some places in the West where we wouldn't want to go because of, of you know, the, the challenges and the the um, the dangers in, in really poverty-stricken communities. So w- why do you say it's not in the West? Yeah, well, you've forgotten the previous podcast there, Fraser. Oh, you know, we dear. talked about this, the difference between the the daily worker, the person who works really hard but never, you know, makes enough to to get uh, to get ahead. Um, and you know, in our culture, there's a there's a, a big net underpinning, you know. If you like the poor that they can fall into, uh, and, and you know, just today, just outside your window here at, at the Bright Hope office, there's a a person sleeping in the park out there. A mattress and it's drizzling, and, and it's, their mattress is wet. Yeah, I mean, you know, that, that looks like poverty. Yeah, and and obviously he's poor, but he's not the poorest of the poor because I know that with our, our welfare system, he's you know. He's probably able to call four or five hundred dollars a week as as an income. So so if you if you define it, you know, just as economics, then then that person's not poor. Would it be fair to say though that you know we recognise that there is poverty everywhere, and in fact, the definition that we talked about last time, you know, where it's it's um, relational, we would acknowledge there is poverty in this room, Kev. Yeah, totally. And, you know, it's speaking on this podcast that that, but you know that we recognise both degrees of it and its economics manifestation. Sure, and 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 so you've got to think about relative poverty, relative within our communities. There's relative poverty, obviously. But there's also relative between the beggar in a culture where there is no under, underpinning of the, of their needs uh, and 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 poverty here in in New Zealand and so and so you know 
whatever we are saying. It's not to disparage those in our country, uh, those in the West who who find themselves in, in, in hard places economically. We're talking specifically about the poorest of the poor, and there is a technical definition of less than a couple of dollars a day kind of thing. And, and just in terms of the numbers, you know, um, if you were to make it a dollar a day, you're talking about a billion people. If you make it a, a two dollars a day, it's it's something like two point five billion people. And so, in so we, that we would use a definition like that, I suppose, just as an indicator to say, you know, th- there are places where we know these people are, yeah. um, and it's not necessarily geography because it can be in, in sections of society. Yeah. Um, and you know we'll talk a little bit more about that, but that's a good indicator to us to say, hey, look, you know, here are some of the places to start. Sure. You know, when when you have wars and all of a sudden, you know, people are starving and and are earning nothing. Yeah. That, if you're looking for the poorest of the poor, that's not a bad place to start. But once you get there, once you're you know your boots on the ground, or you know we're we're looking for partners, or we have partners, let's let's scrape the surface a little bit you know, beyond geography, where do you find the poorest of the poor? What do these people look like? I, I tend to use the the definition or use the word marg- the margins uh, as, as a bit of a place to define it. And that could be the margins of, of a number of things. Could be could be the margins of a country, you know, like, for example, um, that border area between Myanmar and Thailand. Uh we, you know, a fair amount of Thailand is quite flat and quite productive, and and, uh, and you know, great arable land and huge huge volumes of of rice are, are produced there. But you know, the the people that have come into Thailand from across the border from Myanmar or, or, or China find themselves in the hills, um, very steep hills, trying to trying to eke out a living. Uh, on the margins of that country, and because they are on the margins, uh, their production is always low compared to anyone else. Um, they tend not to be able to move out onto the plains um, and the flat areas and the more productive land, and so they stay hidden there up in the hills. Um, because of that, the, you know, their babies are born. They they don't get um, they don't get birth certificates therefore they get to five and they can't go to school and they, they sit outside the the official systems and yeah and they, yeah. they live in the margin so so you know it could be literally the margins of a country as, as in that case or um you know the marginalized in terms of society like for example the disabled so we've got partners that work with the disabled in in um, in the middle east and and you know those 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 the parents of these kids just don't know what to do, and they got no tools in their toolbox to know how to care for a uh, a, a child who's who's just not developed or or is or is severely disabled, and so they put them out in the shed and, and chain them to their bed and and basically treat them like an animal. I mean, you're not going to blame them, but they just don't. But then you have a family with four or five kids like that. Well, you know, poorest of the poor. Um, in that so it's, sense. it's almost the sort of ever decreasing circles, isn't it? So you go to a part of the world, in this case the Middle East, where you know there's there's poverty. Then you go to uh, a country, and not to get political about it, you know, but it's Israel defined broadly. Uh, and then you go to the the West Bank, and then you go to this particular community, and then you know you're talking specific cultural 
groups. I think a lot of these people are, are Bedouin people. And then you go to those within those groups that have kids with disabilities and then to the kids themselves. So you're six or seven layers mm-hmm. of, of disadvantage or, or disenfranchisement to reach the poorest of the poor. And again, these are, these are not people that we would necessarily identify by income, but we know by their life experience and, and by what, you know, what, what their daily living is like. These people are at, you know, whatever, however you define the heat, they're at the bottom of it. They're at the bottom of it. There's a really interesting other definition as well or, or place where you find the poor, and it's, it's not quite so obvious, but if you, if, if you look at those that, if you like, uh, accumulate in this definition, you know, then women and children are, are right up there. Um, and and for, for many different reasons. Some of them are cultural, um, quite a lot of economic. You know, for, for example, we have, we have a number of, of partners that do sewing programs, so they teach women to sew. And I'm just thinking of one case, uh, one situation we, we saw last year, early last year, where where these women had been, you know, taught how to sew, and two sisters had got great jobs, earning two like two hundred US dollars a month. And then one of the sisters got married, and their family said, "No, you, you're not allowed to work." And so she's now frustrated. They took a sewing machine off her because she kept trying to sew, and um, you know, pretty discouraging and disheartening. But but you know, there's a woman that. Uh, and part of the reason she was, you know, she was not allowed to go out and work was because she was actually earning more than any of the men in the extended family. And so, you know, so the, the, she's now pushed back into that 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 kind of poverty thing. And then, of course, a lot of these, the women that are in this 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 group of poorest of the poor, they end up being abused. They often have children uh, as a result of rape or abuse. And um, and so their kids grow up in that in that environment as well, and in, in those conditions as well. And then they don't get educated, and then, you know, what are the chances of them ever emerging out of out of the same group of poorest of the poor? It's, it's so again, a, you know, for those coming from outside, it is going to be incredibly difficult, is it not, to 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 find these people? I guess that, not to be self-serving here, but that you know sort of speaks to indigenous local-led. Ministry, because you know our partners are the people that can find these people that are hidden indoors. That well, are... what's the chance of you turning up in Israel and being able to find not, find not a, that great? I'm guessing you know a, a disabled child in a Bedouin tent, you know, way out in the middle of the of the That's desert. Right. It's not going to happen. But local people know these people. They maybe even be related to these people, or they they find one person and they are introduced to a network of these people and. And so then change can happen, you know. Um, you know issues can be addressed and and help and um, can be delivered. Let's let's talk about you know that just pivot slightly here. You know we've we've talked about two groups that are, um, for want of a better term, subjugated within these cultures. So, you know, in, in many parts of the world, you know, women are second class citizens, and perhaps that's that's been kind as to how they're treated. In some parts of the world, people with disabilities are, you know, really treated like second-class citizens and, and, you know, almost complete priors. One of the, you know, sort of modern contexts is this, is that, you know, we do not want to be cultural imperialist. You know, we have a Western uh, worldview and a Western mindset. Is it appropriate for, you know, us to be 
focusing on these people and essentially challenging the way that they're regarded in their culture. I mean, how, how do we mm-hmm. how do we balance that with a respect for the local cultures in which you know we're, we're trying to make a, dip, a difference and impact? Well, I mean, the, the, the reason we, we, we do it is because we're invited into that culture from by somebody who, who um, you know, as we talked about in, in earlier sessions, has that compelling vision to see their, their community transformed. And, and they've recognised, hey, here's an issue that, that just has to, be, has to be dealt with. And, and they're going in there with a, with a gospel kind of focus as well. And, and whether you like it or not, whatever your perspective is about the gospel, the gospel sets people free at every level. Um, it will not abide things like slavery and injustice and and um, and 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 people being you know imprisoned for no for no reason or, or for for false reasons and and things like um, um, you know corruption and that it, it, it it'll it'll address those issues. It sits uh, above culture. Sits above culture. Well, and huh, I mean, I, you know. I hate to talk idealistically, but at the end of the day, we have to go as kingdom, <laughs> kingdom people, not as as Westerners or as Kiwis. Our, our, our reason for being there has to be, you know, for kingdom outcomes, and and therefore we will find ourselves amongst the poor because you know Jesus said that. That's that's where the gospel will will, will take you. Um, that's why he came uh, to be there with those. Imprisoned and blind and, and abused and marginalised. Let's take a little break there, Kev. We'll um, take a moment and we will come back and talk a little bit more about uh, who the poor are and how we uh, find and identify them uh, back in just a moment. It Ain't That Simple Mate is brought to you by Lamai Coffee. Lamai Coffee is the finest quality organic Arabica coffee from the northern hills of Thailand. We at Bright Hope World import the green beans into New Zealand and we roast them to perfection, then sell them to discerning coffee drinkers. We're all volunteers on the team, so all the profits go back into great community projects in Thailand. And that is why we call it the world's best tasting act of kindness. You can order Lamai coffee or find out more at lamai.co.nz. It ain't that simple, mate. Welcome back to It Ain't That Simple, Mate, the Bright World podcast, where uh, today we are talking about uh, poverty, and we're specifically looking at who are the poor. Who are the poorest of the poor, very specifically? Where do we find them? What do they look like? What are their characteristics? What are the the signs, I suppose, that we're in the right place? You know, we are, as a ministry, we're focused on the poorest of the poor, um, you know, part of this discussion is how do we know we've found the poorest of the poor? Now, Kev, the the Bible talks a lot about you know certain groups of people who uh, there's almost an expectation of vulnerability in them, and and I think particularly of uh, widows, uh, orphans, you know, the refugees or aliens, you know, those that are um, you know not in their hometown, and 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 we as believers are given the instruction, prisoners is another one, we as believers are given the instruction to really you know, place a lot of priority and, and, and effort in ministering to these people. But that's, you know, this is 2,000-year-old instructions. Is this still relevant? Are these 
still the people that we um, that, that were focused on in terms of focusing on the the poorest of the poor. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, Jesus said you're always going to have the poor with you, and he, and he wasn't saying. Therefore, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Um, I mean, I think if Jesus came today, he'd probably turn to the same, the same, uh, you know, Old Testament scroll in Isaiah and preach the same sermon in Isaiah chapter in in um, in Luke chapter four, where he he said he would he would become involved with those people, um, and you know. There's, there's there's so many different you know forms of, of poverty as, as I think about it and uh, uh, some of them are much more obvious than others as well. Uh, I, I just remember one time we, we were in Kenya and we'd been working with our partners in the Madari Madari slum and it was you know huge back then. It's a bit smaller now, um, and that that kind of poverty is just in your face. You, you know, you walk down in there and, and it, it, it assaults every sense that you have. Oh, yeah. Particularly your sense of smell. Smell, yes. Yeah. And, and that's the one thing that pictures can't, uh, <laughs> videos can't. Uh, we need, we need okay. to develop that technology yeah, to have yeah. sort of smell-o-vision. Smell-o-vision. I think, I think Ooh, that would yeah. really impact people. <laughs> yeah, probably turn a few off as well, but... So we were there, and you know, it's, it's very obvious what poverty looks like there. People living in these little hovels, and you know, paying forty or fifty dollars for a, a room that's like two meters by two meters, and there's six people living in there, and, and there's only a, a corrugated sheet between you and the next the next family. But then we later that day we we were out in in um, in outside of Nairobi, driving along and talking to another partner there, and. And he was talking to us about rural, rural poverty. And he says, you know, you drive along this road, you wouldn't know how poor people are, but, but just one house back from the main road, there's people there that, that don't even have a toilet. They, you know, they, they, they have to walk four kilometres to get water. And, uh, and uh, it looks very different in a, in a rural environment as it does to, to an urban one. And, and I think so... so in a sense, it's 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 not easy for us, and we keep coming back to this, Fraser. But it's, it's not easy for us to see all that. Um, uh, that's why, you know, we look for people who do see it, who, who are plugged into those communities, who live, who live in those communities, and, and they hear the stories every day. And uh, <laughs> and that's one of the things we often talk about here, isn't it? That. Um, um, these people, our partners, are just getting this poverty delivered on their doorstep every day, every day, every day, and it must be extremely difficult for them to deal with that. Um, I think, but you know, in that space, particularly the partner we have in uh, India and in Bangalore, the, uh, a guy called T Raja who has the Home of Hope, where he looks after destitute, you know, abandoned people from from the elderly right, you know, down to to babies. And um, how's he? Eight hundred people in this yeah, facility plus. That he, I mean, he's buried like five thousand people, you know, in the last fifteen, twenty. Years. Not, not, not through any negligence of his own. It, it should be, it should be noted. But I mean, this is an extraordinary guy with an extraordinary heart that is looking after. You know, Bangalore's a reasonably poor place, but this is the poorest of the poor, and they are literally delivered to his doorstep. The police and 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 others, you know, bring these people. To him, and and again, these are people we would never find, we would never have exposure to. But and if we drove up the street, we probably wouldn't even see them lying under that that piece of piece of cloth or that sack or or, or behind that rubbish 
dump the tip there you know it's yeah yeah it's a, and, and you know what strikes me about that ministry is you know we talked uh, earlier on about the ministry of reconciliation i mean he is literally reconciling some of these people with families that they've lost contact with and you know restoring some of these relationships but some of them are getting married yeah yeah, yeah. And, but you know what what strikes me is you know at the heart of what he does as well as putting food in their bellies every one of these people is introduced to the love of Christ every one of these people finds the love of God and, and you know are, are are so struck by that because a lot of these people have never really known you know love in their life at all and boy if that's not the poorest of the poor who is yeah, I mean, I love the stories of Jesus when he when he was here, when he was you know, if you like, wandering around in in Palestine there, and and he was he was seeing people, and I love that little story where he sees a woman who was bent over she, for twelve years; she'd been suffering. I mean, I don't know if she was poorest of the poor, but she was you know pretty marginalized. She she was being treated like a leper, and I love the little phrase where it says Jesus saw her. I think it's something. Something that resonates with me that, in a sense, that's that's the kind of person we are looking for when we're looking for a partner. It's somebody who sees what's happening around them, uh, who observes it, and then is able to then not just deal with their physical circumstances, but like Jesus, to come in and deal with the whole person. You know, <laughs> your faith has saved you. Get up and walk. You know, you know that that kind of that kind of deal. Well, there's a story I've heard you tell before, Kev. You know, when um, we're looking for partners, you know, you, there's all this stuff you're looking for out of the corner of your eye. And I remember you talking about a guy. I think it was in India where you know he was trying to pitch to us a, a ministry to kids oh, and yeah. i love kids and and then you know a kid falls over in front of him and he sort of you know kicks, kicks him out of the way with, with his foot, foot. Yeah. you know that you know that, that's not how jesus would do it and and that's not how you treat the poorest of the poor not at all and um you know the, the, those 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 sorts of people are um unfortunately you know there's, there's too many of them around mm. uh, just wanting to to build a ministry or a name or or get an income themselves from the poverty that's around them. Well, nah, not interested. Uh, and that's why we take such a long time to develop a relationship with with people because you can only you know work with with genuine people that have you know clear motives and, and all that kind of stuff. Let's let's talk about some of these categories of of people again in poor places, but those that are. You know, one rung below. We've talked about people with disabilities. You know, we've we've talked about uh, women. Um, let's talk about some of the others. You know, children and and orphans. I mean, you know, in in some cultures, children are highly prized, and you know, their education particularly is is seen as really important. But what does it look like when children are at the sort of the end of the pipe? Yeah, well, it's it's pretty desperate. I mean. You know, at the extreme end, you've got things like um, um, you know kids being sold off into into slavery. We were in in one place, and I won't mention where because it's it's you know not really that appropriate. Where where kids are girls are, are obviously second class citizens. They're not sent to school by the time they're eleven or twelve. Uh, their greatest value is to be married off to somebody else so they can get the dowry. And in this particular culture, if the guy that they're, they're sold to doesn't like it, she'll be brought back down to the, the cattle market next next time 
and be sold along with the cows. Now, the cows have a birth certificate. The girls don't. Mm. And so that's literally happening in the 21st century. (laughs) The other night I was telling the story to some some folks and and there was a a girl of about 14 sitting in the audience and she burst out crying because she she, was kind of like, that's really happening these days. Yeah, that that could be me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you know you've you've got that you've got that kind of thing, but you know in, in many cases you know, kids are just got, have got no value at all. Um, they're a commodity. Um, the boys in most cases have got more value uh, than girls, and you see that reflected in some cultures where you know uh, in some countries there's a lot more <laughs> boys born than girls, um, and that in itself creates some issues. Um, and then you know, you've got certain in some cultures certain groups of people who are marginalised. Um, you know, you go to a place like India, and, and you we all know about the untouchables um, at the bottom of the caste system. But but underneath and outside of the caste system is another whole group of people. I mean, we're talking tens of millions of people that don't even fit into the caste system, like the Adivasi people in North India or some people call them the Santal people and then you've got you know quite large numbers of Africans living in India who were brought across there as slaves way back in the day uh, they're not part of the caste system and, and they're literally treated worse than animals um, um, and we've got partners working with, with those with those sorts of people and, and it's you know the the <laughs> The, the stories they tell are just unbelievable. If you wrote them, you know, into a, into a book, into a, you know, and then people wouldn't believe it. It would be like science fiction <laughs> because it's just so extreme in terms of the way they, they are treated. Um, yeah. So there, there, are, there are pockets of this all, all around, you know, the world. Another group we uh, have a fair bit to deal with is refugees. Yeah. And a lot of people are surprised to to know that there's something in the order of twice as many refugees uh, in the world today as there were in the uh, last years of World War Two. Extraordinary number of people that are being displaced either internally within their own country, they're having to up and move, uh, you know, because of of conflict or persecution. Uh, or those that have had to flee to different countries, what do we what do we do with these people? How do we how do we help them? I mean, they they often can't own land. They are you know living in camps. Um, many of them will face the prospect of being away from their homes for many many years. Some will never be able to return. What what can you do to address poverty with these sort of people? Well, it's a it's a really tough one. Um, it's a tough one for us because you know we're a small organisation, and, and to get involved in those mass movements of of people is, is just a little beyond our our capacity, and and our focus is you know generally more on development than on aid or relief. Um, but we have a number of partners who are working with refugees in in in, in different ways. Um, um, in some cases, it's just keeping them alive in the process. Because you know, when it, when a refugee leaves uh, leaves home, they may have been quite well off where they were, and, and we've seen this in, in a number of occasions. Not from Syria, particularly from Syria yeah. and, and Iraq, even you know, when they came into Jordan, there, some of them had their own businesses. They 
they had vehicles, cars, buildings, the works, and now they're living in a in a three meter by three meter tent with you know thirty other people. <laughs> yeah, desperate. You know, I, I met a woman from Syria in Jordan actually, and you know, very middle class um, family. They had been bakers, and she told me all about this this experience that she and her family had been through. They'd been beaten. They'd been you know kicked out of Syria by ISIS, and she was a very stoic woman, very strong. And um, you know, we we sort of went through an interview, and at the end of the interview, you know, I, I we'd sort of finished. And I said to her, "So, you know, what what really is difficult for you for, in life right now?" And she sort of thought about that, and she said, "You know, not long before we left uh, Syria, I had bought a coffee machine for my husband, and I used to get up early. He's a baker. He'd get up really early. I'd get up early with him, and every morning I would make him a cup of coffee, nice cup of coffee." And she said, "You know, that was that was." just our moment every day and she said you know now we can't even afford to buy instant coffee and you know this after all this stuff all this violence that she talked through this is what broke her down this is where the tears came as this woman told the story and it was striking how you know this goes back to what we talked about last time about the nature of poverty that was just that 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 breakdown and that family relationship and that deep impact and you know what it had done to just their sense of reality and normality. And these people have gone from middle class to the poorest of the poor, literally. Overnight. Overnight. So things that, that strike you and stick in your brain when you see that. Yeah, that's tough. And I mean, you know, one of the things, one of the trends that has been occurring in the last few years in this whole area is that the percentage or the number of people trapped in poverty has been reducing. Um, probably the, 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 the main cause of of the numbers, you know, not reducing more quickly is is, is internal conflict and war, um, and you know, more recently the Syrian conflict, um, which has pushed you know millions of people out, out of their homes. Um, but you know, it's going to be interesting to see what's ha- what happens with this, the impact of uh, of COVID nineteen as well. I mean, it it may bring a whole lot of people who were. And perhaps you know, just emerging out of this this class of people, this group of people might might drop them right back in there again, and we may see a, a you know quite a steep increase in in, in numbers. I, it wouldn't surprise me if we did, because um, I know from our experience, a lot of a lot of people that were involved in our loan programs, especially especially the very small scale loans, you know, their businesses have all flopped, and 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 they're gonna they're gonna be right back in there um well which which may be another sort of you know vector in terms of who are the poor and it might be the countries that have not handled this particularly well or mm, you know yeah. or who have handled it too well have locked down for too long to face it it's a, it's a whole another variable isn't it oh yeah totally and uh and not not quite as easy to to estimate as as a as a as a war or something like that or or a or a drought or a flood or something like that, which has a more limited scope. So, yeah. So there's, you know, there's there's some good news, but there's potentially some 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 serious stuff. Uh, I just want to mention one other thing. When when you find communities of poor, like we're talking about, there's a couple of other things you find as well. One of them is incredible generosity. Mm, you know? Definitely. And 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 I find this. And again, I we don't go into. To groups from every background, but 
to go into a, a really poor slum and like let's say Madari compound in 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 um in, in Nairobi and you go into a church and it's like it's like you walk into a little bit of heaven, a little slice of heaven, you know. It's like people are happy and joyful. They all invite you back to their house afterwards. You know, you could live in that community for the next year and, and, and have all your meals kind of provided by these poor people. Um, and, and, and it's, you know, it's something to just, you just need to keep in mind as well is that, uh, you know, as we talked about in the, in the last podcast, you know, poverty is not just about money. You know, there's a lot of miserable people living in the world west that have got a lot of money, um, and and unfortunately in some of our churches as well. Yeah, and isn't that you know that sort of brings it to a a point you know about the interaction or the intersection between the gospel and poverty. Mm. That you know poverty and and those relational things is is a heavy burden burden to bear, but without the hope of Christ, without the the relationship with God. And you know the ability to you know reconcile relationships with other people through forgiveness. I mean, it just it just takes a thing and makes it so much more acute and painful. And you know th- there is uh, something of that myth that oh you know these poor people they're all you know really happy they're happier than us, which in my experience is not necessarily the case. But I think um, you know believers in some of the poorest places in the world are the most striking and joyful people that despite their circumstances are are able to rise above it yeah I mean I think you know suffering I mean I guess in in, in terms of many in many cases no matter what causes it but but certainly suffering in the sense of poverty or because of your faith produces something in you that nothing else can produce you know and and in the west we've 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 not understood that we've 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 said that ease, that wealth, that that that, that will bring us joy, but it, it doesn't. It just brings us uh, the desire for more often and, and disappointment when we don't get what we want. And I often remember, you know, I was I was a missionary in Zambia way back in the 80s, and, and when, when we came back, Helen and I were there for nine years, people would say to you, oh, what's so, you know, what's different, but, you know, in Africa and here and all that kind of stuff. And I'd say the, the single most obvious thing was that here we expect life to be good for us. We were brought up that we can do anything, that we can achieve anything. And so we spend most of our lives miserable because we haven't been able to, it hasn't delivered the way we want it. Whereas the Africans, they, they're not expecting anything out of life. If it goes life. right, they're happy for, and so even for five minutes. So even a very small thing yeah. that's great is, whoa, real great, you know? Well, well I think the corollary of that as well is is we do not have great resilience. I mean, perhaps mm-hmm. the pandemic has, has showed that. It's that. As soon as, you know, you can't go and get McDonald's or go to the movies, people, you know, treat it like it's the end of the world. Yeah. Um, not you know, not to denigrate any of the experiences. You know, a lot of people in the West have suffered, but we don't have a great resilience because we spend our lives avoiding all of that kind of suffering that is commonplace for many people in the world. Yeah, and and that's why the gospel has to be part of the solution, um, because you know, real hope only comes from relationship with God. It's, it's from getting those relationships we talked about last time and getting some of them sorted out. And so, you know, I, I remember the story when we were in, in Zimbabwe and we were talking to, to the guys there and, and, and uh, the first community that they got involved in was a place called Ntomba Temba. And so they went into there and it took them years to get involved. 
we came along and we started partnering with them and we went and visited one of the village headmen just a few, you know, while we were there. And he was telling, I asked him, what's the difference now between, you know, 10 years ago or a few years ago? He says, oh, this, this is like a, a completely different place. He said, the police were going to build a, an army barracks out here because there was so much violence. Now they're not even putting in a police station. He says, me and three other headmen here have, have um, become Christians and we've become, we've got married to our wives. These were the first marriages in our community for as long as he could remember. I mean, everything was changing, you know. Um, and and uh, and it's, it's that's that's the power of the that's gospel. That's what it does. Yeah. All right. So, you know, who are the poor? Well, I guess you know we can we can identify them geographically. But I guess the the point of what we're saying is you got to drill down. You you got to have people on the ground that can look behind closed doors, that can find the the women, the children, the the orphans, the refugees. Yeah, because poverty that's... expresses itself different in different Absolutely. communities. So that's why you can't come along with a cookie-cutter mentality and say, well, we have the solution to poverty, because it will be very different yeah, even from one service. village to the next. Yeah. Um, okay, well, we'll wrap it up uh, there. Uh, on the uh, next podcast, we're going to talk about what is it like to be poor. Uh, understanding, of course, we don't really know in a global sense, but just relaying some of the experiences and things that we have seen uh, through our years in, in Bright Hope World. So do come back for that one. Um, if you have feedback for us, please do send it to podcast at Bright Hope World. Or questions. Or questions. Questions would be great. I mean, you know, by the by the time we get these few out there and we, we address questions, there might be a little bit of delay, but we'd love questions and we'll certainly respond to them directly uh, and then in due course on the podcast. But we'd we'd love to have questions. That'd be wonderful. You can uh, you can answer all the hard ones, Fraser. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see about that. I don't know if I have any answers. Uh, th- this is all my answers. If if you're not hearing it here, I don't know if I have much more to add. Uh, but thank you for uh, tuning in to us. Thank you for downloading this podcast wherever you're listening to it. Uh, any final thoughts, Kev? No, I think just, um, you know, this is a, a multifaceted thing we're talking about. And, and like we say, it ain't that easy, mate. Yeah, it ain't that simple, mate. That's simple or easy. Yeah, yeah. Branding, <laughs> man. Branding's important. <laughs> uh, and if you haven't figured out that's, uh, you know, that the, the title is appropriate, hopefully it's, it's becoming clear that this is a complicated space that we're in. So thank you for joining us once again, and we will see you next time on It Ain't That Simple, Mate.